0: Hello, it's Joey Remini here from seekingbalance.com.au. I'm a vestibular audiologist and neuroplasticity therapist, and I take great pleasure in supporting the recovery of people with chronic, elusive, invisible symptoms, mostly chronic tinnitus, chronic dizziness, and chronic vertigo. However, there's there's a lot of human mix going on in our community, so some of you listening may have chronic pain or depression or feelings of disconnection and anxiety, and you are so welcome here too. Today we're going to have a conversation and perhaps touch some of the edges of our discomfort around our sexuality, pleasure, and exploring dark places from soft, gentle, grounded landings. And my co-conspirator in this conversation is Shay Elise Allen, who's based in Melbourne, another Australian beautiful woman. Shea describes herself as a heart woman, mother, baby crone, sexuality educator, somatic body worker, midlife alchemist and transformational guide. Welcome to the call, Shay. This is is a treat.
1: Thank you so much, Joey. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Mm. So today, Shay, I would love to unpack a little bit about pleasure, which in a sense could be a trigger word that people shy away from exploring. And to put it into context for my listeners who are experiencing chronic illness, The Rocksteady Pathway and the Rocksteady, I've got my book here, and the Rocksteady Program, which is how I support people to rewire their body and to reset new neural templates that feel normal, that feel good, that feel pleasurable, that feel the way they want to feel. The the process is about meeting where I am and what I'm feeling now, deciding how I want to feel and following that inkling of desired sensations. And then figuring out how to close that gap. So, okay, well, I'm here. How can I meet that with loving awareness, but not get stuck here and dwell here? How can I begin to open up the conversation of of where I'm going and where I'm directing my brain and my neural pathways to form new connections? And that is really following the path of pleasure. And we often don't integrate this conversation with pleasure from a place of, of healthy sexuality, which is a huge part of our wholeness and why it's an important conversation for our community. So Shay, the listeners may not feel so connected to their sexuality. Um, very commonly in my community, I think people are really afraid of their bodies and so sex really just becomes off, comes off the menu. And I suppose I want to include these conversations because it's important to remember we can heal and we can get there and it doesn't need to be big and fast and scary it can be those gentle steps towards discovering pleasure on our fingertips and the wind on our cheeks mm. so shay would you like to introduce the listeners perhaps a little bit to your fascination with pleasure and absolutely
1: let them get to know you sure Yes. Thanks, Joey. Um, yeah. So as you mentioned, I'm a sexual, a sexuality educator and um, a women's empowerment coach and mentor.
0: Mm.
1: And I came into this work. Um, I came into this work through my own challenges, actually. Um, so when I first really deeply opened to this work was after I had my daughter. Um, so she's 15 now. Um, when she was around two, mm-hmm. um, I really started acknowledging that um, my connection to my body was,, um, well, it was absent actually. like I didn't I didn't really have the connection to my body that I desired and that I knew, like it was like a deep calling in my bones. I knew that there was something more that I w- wanted to explore and step into. So I started, um, I started exploring my own um, relationship to my body, my relationship to spirit as well, to meditation, to dance, to just being more in my body around that time. And then I started on a, a much deeper journey soon after of really, um, going to the depths of connecting to my body through my sexuality um yeah uh, not not for the faint-hearted no yeah but
0: worth it and that's why these conversations Mm. are so important I just want to ask Mm. a little question that's very relevant to our listeners if you can remember because I know going back that Mm. far it can be we we actually forget what the symptomatology and sensations of our body were but can you remember Mm. what disconnected felt like to you because feeling Mm. disconnected um, is often the place uh, my City community members start. Can you remember yeah. how that showed up in your body, what the symptoms were, What how your body was talking to you and saying, come home, Shay, come home?
1: Yeah, well, I was really in my head. So I was really thinking a lot about what I should be like, what I um, and and what I wasn't, what I perceived that I wasn't. Um I was really challenged in feeling pleasure in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, I was um, critical of my body, you know? So this was all being up in my head. So it was really,, um, you know, just feeling like I wanted to feel, and the meditation practice really supported this, just a greater sense of self-love ultimately is what it was that I was really yearning for at that time. And that was the guiding, that was sort of the inner guidance from my bones that was speaking through me um, that I had to develop the courage to follow at the time. But yeah, it was really just, um, yeah, all, all of those things that I mentioned and just I guess, a feeling of, of emptiness as well, of gonna, not feeling fulfilled. I was yeah, gonna
0: say, and often at a physical sensory level, there's often comes with feelings of numbness, mm. you know, contraction and tightness, which could then, you know, with this kind of a dull ache or like sometimes people say cotton wool in their head. Fast mm. thoughts is a really common one. And then, of mm. course, for some people, it will also manifest as feeling a bit spacey, a bit out of body, a bit dizzy. Yes. Um, so, Yeah. yeah. But- manifest different yeah.
1: us. absolutely and I think for me you know like I did experience pleasure in my body but I knew that there it was it was limited you yeah. know and it was just it was in a box I would yeah. say and and there was a feeling that you know I could connect to this on a much deeper level so that was yeah that was the pathway forward for me
0: I really, really relate to that because I experience pleasure for sure in my body, but I feel like there's a soul voice going, there's so much more. You don't even know what questions to ask. It's like that what's out there beyond perhaps what society's given to me as on the menu or what's not on the menu. Mm. And this discovery of going within and being mm. willing to feel through the darkness. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the importance of pleasure and a little bit more about navigating and having the bravery to say what next and mm. some of the challenges perhaps that came up as 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 you started that inquiry and and perhaps mm. started tiptoeing into the darkness mm.
1: so just touching on the importance of pleasure so pleasure is our life force energy it's the it's that pure life force energy that flows through us and our sexuality is our life force energy as well you know it's the energy that brings us into into this human form you know so mm. it's it's the most like fundamental energy that we need to that i believe we need to connect to in order to feel like really grounded in our bodies in order to feel joyful pleasurable and really um own our place in these bodies on this planet so
0: and yeah. in other it's, words coming up for me is shame
1: I Mm. think when we
0: don't go there and when there are no words or no exploration and it's sort of like "Mm, I'll just leave that there and go go to the post office and post my letter yeah (laughs) Um, there's there's an element of unspoken shame that lives deep inside of us and limits us Mm. holds us back Mm. because it's the elephant Mm. in the room just sitting there blocking some of those pleasure pathways
1: shame is huge so from the moment we're born you know uh, that our societal conditioning tells us to feel shameful about the pleasure feelings in our bodies you know and you know we feel pleasure throughout our whole lives no one likes to talk about it but children have sexual energy you know and then we sort of really come into our sexual energy um as we, as young uh, young women like a, very young maidens when we're like 11 or when the estrogen starts to activate in the body and we start to feel you know like um we start to feel our vaginas we start to feel that sexual energy awaken in our in our body it starts to pulsate you know but there's no discussion or no cultural permission um, mostly to talk about that type of thing and, I'm just, and so it, it becomes suppressed
0: and I'm curious well the way you're using sexual energy here mm. I just want to clarify for the listeners are you coming from a place of really exploring our eros like our, mm. our inner world our inner capacity for possibility and change and adaptability and excitement it you're not mm. necessarily referring to um sex from a genital place or even shared with another person. You're, you're no. more talking about that space within us as a person, as a single yes. person. Yeah. Because um, I think it's important to make that clarity because there's so much loading on the term.
1: There there is so much loading on it. And it is, you know, it's a confronting thing to talk about. And yes, I am talking about um the Eros when I talk about sexuality. So thank you, Joey, for clarifying that because you know it is, it is all the societal conditioning that tarnishes that beautiful powerful eros energy that is that is our you know our very basic nature and and puts a different lens on it that is um somehow not okay and of course you know like anything in life our eros develops with us so when we're little you know it can be like squealing as we run down a hill and just feeling like this incredible energy pulsing through our body um, and that's you know that's just like just the most incredible thing in the world to experience as a little child and then as I was saying you know like as you develop into into puberty you have new experiences that um, as you start to mature you know and it's all really wholesome and erotically innocent. That's Um,
0: exactly what I'm feeling there's a purity and a pure innocence and it's mm so often drilled out of us and so Mm. as I'm listening to this I'm thinking I was trained not to feel and so I missed a lot of this eros and I was Mm. locked in oh how should I perform oh I need I'm going to get in trouble if I don't say or do the right thing so there was a lot of inner conflict for me um, which dampened my eros I would say most of the time And then my creativity and my eros would come through in certain ways when I felt alone and I felt safe, which was often through art and music. Or I remember Mm. standing as a 15-year-old and it's 100% not recommended to climb Uluru, which is a a sacred Indigenous site in Central Australia. But I was was kind of ignorant and arrogant as a 15-year-old and I chose to explore it. And I'm kind of glad I did. They say it's the heart chakra of Mother Earth. And it cracked me open. When I got to the top of Uluru as a 15-year-old, I think I had one of my most memorable moments of Eros. I felt like Mother Earth had plugged me in and I was recharging. I was on the ultimate battery recharge. And so the other thing I want to talk about is we need to be patient with our nervous systems and with our maturity that we can hold those feelings and that it doesn't overwhelm us or unsettle us or move us into this place of feeling abnormal or triggered Or symptomatic because it feels too much and we don't know what to do with these feelings. And I think this brings us back to the rock steady path of gentleness and body scanning and coming back to what's safe and feeling little by little, um, small amounts of pleasure at a time to let our nervous system build up to the bigger downloads of pleasure, if and when they come
1: absolutely you know and because of the world that we live in and the um the shame and the the porn culture and all of the elements of um our introduction to our eros and our sexuality um you know it is it, it's so triggering for people to get to a stage in their life where they um, know that they want to open to this energy, but feel so um, well, as you say, their nervous system can't hold it, you know, like it's really very overwhelming. And it's incredibly vulnerable. So this work, the, the rock steady work that you do, Joey, um, is really aligned to my work as well, just with regards to um, holding that space for oneself to just be really present with the vulnerability of that. And not try to make it something else or not try to push yourself into feeling or, or being something that you think you should be, but actually just exploring that space of, um, of gentleness with yeah. oneself, you I've
0: know? Got a, I've got a mm. giggle brewing because a conversation we had off air, um, not today, another day, was you made a comment of you know feeling this kind of sexy energy doesn't have to look like a fraternity movie with you know woo (laughs) and yeah and like really letting go of all of that conditioned confusing imagery and bigness and this sensational kind of Mm. it it feels icky and fake to me whereas Mm. if I drop into okay what's my authentic eros and I was actually thinking about this before our call today so thank you for inspiring a little bit of time for me to drop in and play with this but I was down at the beach had my little baby was getting ready to have my my you know coffee ritual and I just started swinging my hips and it was a really delayed Mm. slow stroll there was no rush and I allowed my attention and my body scanning and my kind of neural patterning to drop into the rhythm of my hips and to feel my body and I thought this is what it is it's actually going okay here and now in any moment on any day where is the pleasure now? And how can I scan my inner world and my felt sense of being for a little bit of playful p- pleasure? And mm. it almost felt like I was having a cheeky moment with myself where it's like nobody else knows what I'm doing, but I'm having fun. Yeah, and I love just, it. <laughs> I'm just out and about. And this, I think, is the, the playfulness of Eros. eros. Uh, it's our inner world. It's our inner kink. It's our inner how we like it. There's kind of no limits here. Mm, And mm. I find when we get stuck in chronic illness in particular, but not necessarily this, you know, but when we do get stuck in chronic illness, we lose our capacity to imagine and to fantasize. And a a huge Mm. part of the Rocksteady healing process is having an awareness of what's going on in our inner world and having the imaginal creativity to rewrite it, to re script it, Mm, and mm. to redesign something that feels authentic and yummy and safe.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that's a beautiful segue into the way I work as well, which is really anchored in permission granting. Because even, you know, swinging one's hips, you know, how divinely beautiful, you know, like, by the sea, you know, like, it's just it feels so good but that can be confronting for the majority of women because it that in and of itself is quite you know even even the flow of moving one's hips around Mm. you know we, we can be stuck because of the conditioning that we've been um that we've been led by throughout our lives Mm. so you know even just breathing gently breathing from the heart down into the pelvic bowl can be a beautiful start to just Mm. ah okay i'm just going to make this set this intention to give myself permission just to feel first just to feel what it feels like to actually breathe into my heart and then breathe that energy down into my pelvic bowl and then just take my consciousness down there and just breathe and just be with nature and just be with the body and there's so much in that you know like it's it sounds simple but it's profoundly huge
0: (laughs) it is and when it comes to neuroplasticity and transformation which is which is your realm as well Shay it's the subtle tiny network shifts that happen through repetition through daily awareness Mm. through gentleness Mm. when I've said this just on repeat for a few years now but when we're in fight flight freeze fawn, when we're in the sympathetic stress system that mm. neuroplasticity adaptable capacity really pauses because the body's mm. like well i don't want to build new networks that feel good i'm there's some there's a buy over there or something there's something going mm. on so mm. i'll just stop all of that activity and i'll just have my eye on alert and i'll be hyper vigilant which is where mm. a lot of my clients start and and it's about unlearning that and interrupting the sympathetic fight flight freeze response in whatever way works for me because we're all different and then being able to pause and drop into some of this work you're talking about of learning to pause and feel and give ourselves permission to feel pleasure and one of the words I want to gift our listeners which has been so helpful for me as I've navigated this reimagining of pleasure and feeling okay with myself and removing myself from that world of shoulds and pleasing others Mm. Mm. is awkward it feels really Mm. awkward Mm -mm. (laughs) when you're not used to this and you're like okay am I doing it right this feels awkward you're on track like feeling Mm. awkward is part of the remapping and part of the unfamiliar Mm. from that place of awkwardness I'd love you to speak to why is it vulnerable to explore pleasure why is it vulnerable to feel pleasure like that perplexes me like shouldn't it be easy Mm. but it's not Mm.
1: Well, uh, well, it's not when we operate from the mind. So if we're if we're sort of up here in the head and we're um, you know we're really connected to the conditioning and, and what we've been told about our bodies and how we should act as women and how we should engage with the world, as women, how we should engage with our own bodies, as women, then that patterning is so profoundly strong. You know, as young girls and women, we've been raised, Um, to to believe and to understand that the male pattern of arousal, which is quick, fast, penetrative, like immediate, you know, um, that that is what we should be responding to. But actually, the yin pattern of arousal is about really dropping into the body through the senses and being still. So I think with regards to that awkwardness that you speak of, mm-hmm. um, a really beautiful way to um, to navigate that is to do some work, to um, do some sensory work, so connecting to the senses. What I really love to do when I'm on my walk is mm-hmm. just commit to every time I see and it's beautiful to do this in the springtime, of course, but every time I see a beautiful rose, Mm. I'll stop and I will smell the rose and I'll bring that scent right down into like (laughs) the the very depths of my womb, you know, like I bring it right into my body and, you know, even just allow some of the dew to like just fall onto my face Mm. and just actually have that give yourself to the to the sensory experience you know and that receive it so that might be something that you build up to as well what I just explained is is you know like the, the depth of that is probably something more practiced you know initially it's just breathing in the scent you know if you do feel awkward about exploring this aspect of your being you know Um, but it can be like picking a bunch of rosemary and just walking and smelling and breathing and just being using the senses to to be present with with what with what is there and sometimes it's not comfortable often it's not comfortable
0: and I think that's the vulnerable piece and allowing ourselves to be awkward and be in the unfamiliar means we're actually allowing new neural templates to fire. And the reason it feels awkward and uncomfortable is because new systems are integrating and new mm-hmm. systems are talking to each other and new, new synapses are starting to sort of tinker. And some of those synapses might be around, you know, feeling at ease in the body, relaxing, actually turning off the alarm system. And for my clients, that feels weird it's like hang on a minute where is my safety net where is that alarm system because I want it looking all the time and when that stops going it can be like oh my god am I sleepy Mm. am I dead am I lazy so there's, Um. there's all of this questioning when actually no it's just that's the nervous system slowing down so that the the pleasure signals have time and space to begin finding their new connections and synapses Um, absolutely yes
1: I think yeah I think also giving yourself permission to be curious and to explore is a really important um, intention to make as you as you step into this onto this pathway into this work because yeah if we if we give ourselves permission to be curious we sort of take the the pressure off you know like that there needn't be any grand expectation. It, it's mm-hmm. um, it's exploring the body and your relationship to the world in a very nonlinear yin way, which is mm-hmm. just not how we've been conditioned to be. So yeah, so to really, to really hold yourself in that is a really important aspect Key. of this. Mm. Key words
0: for me through this process have been willingness, to have the willingness to feel. Mm. Effortless to let it mm. be effortless, like to let my experience of the world around me to be uncontrived, not premeditated, no agenda, not doing what I think I should do because that's somehow a cultural expectation put on me. But to to mm. sort of consciously put all that aside, um, eventually let it go, um, and to live in this paradigm of effortlessness, accepting reality as it is, not fighting what's showing up, and allowing allowing my neural networks and allowing the innate intelligence of my body to really do the work for me. So I'm Mm. sitting back as a witness and as a co-creator, as a participant, as a participant, because I can direct where my attention goes, but really allowing this effortless, gentle exploration to unfold and unfurl. Um, And there was something I wanted to ask you, Shay, on, and I don't know if this is an Australian specific question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, in case it's, globally relevant with this whole thing of pleasure being vulnerable part of me feels like that tall poppy syndrome well I don't want to be too happy or too uh full of myself or too Mm. pleasured because that might make other people feel awkward
1: yeah which which, you
0: know what's with that
1: it's a huge one and actually it's a beautiful question to ask given what I was thinking just at the end of what you were sharing I was thinking and also it's about knowing that we are worthy you know we are worthy of this and that 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 is just such I think that underpins everything like our our connection to our self-worth and knowing that we are inherently worthy and we can say that and and intellectually believe it Um, but actually we need to do these practices to really embody that and to to allow that knowledge and that wisdom to really um, ignite in 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 the body Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah sure i mean you know we've been shamed when about our sexuality you know we've been slut shamed and we've been you know shamed for being too successful shamed for being too talkative and confident you know shamed for so many different things as Mm -hmm. women and and other women are triggered by other women as well because this is the patriarchal conditioning that we've been raised with
0: what I'm feeling is it almost feels like there's a fine line between dropping into this beautiful journey and owning it and reclaiming it and feeling a sense of friendship with pleasure and navigating Mm. that in our own way Mm. room, a room to oneself. Like it's, it's a personal journey. And Mm. in doing that actually liberating, and this is really for men too. Like we're using a lot of women. um, This, this is relevant for men also, but as I think as we own our pleasure and sit into it and breathe into it and enjoy it, we probably don't need to talk about it so much, but we're still somehow giving other people permission to do that for themselves. Yeah. And I think when, when the vulnerability or fear creeps in, that's probably when it can get a bit more sensationalist and a bit louder and a bit more in your face. And there's a, there's a, a lack of authenticity there because the fear's crept in. Mm. Um, and that's what I mean by the fine line between just sitting mm. back and relaxing into it. Mm. Uh, versus perhaps juggling the fear at the same time as navigating the pleasure
1: yeah I mean it's all it's a really big discussion this one because you know it's it's about connecting with pleasure and joy and um just the the beautiful pure essence of who we are as humans Mm -hmm. with pure wild abandon abandon without having to need you know without having to um like attach the ego to it about, you know, like, uh, you know, it's, it's actually just being purely in the body. And yes, that can still, you know, trigger other people. And you can feel like, oh, perhaps I'm too much, or perhaps I'm, I need to like reel this back in a little bit. But I think if you're always really connecting to your intention for why you want to connect to your body, You know, that 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 is the really critical piece. And yes, you know, we also give transmissions by osmosis. So just by being who we are in our bodies. Other people, you know, from that pure intention, other people will pick up on that. Other people will feel it and want a bit of want want some of it. And if people do judge you or, you know, or you feel the tall poppy syndrome energy there then you know i mean we can talk more about that with regards to boundaries and about you know how we how we connect with other people and and what we allow and what we don't allow into our lives energetically
0: yeah, yeah and what i'm hearing um is sort of pausing to drop in and think well, who's my tribe Mm. And who am I connecting to share this journey with? Which is which is actually really part early on of the Rocksteady process and program is find your people, people who are non-judgmental and curious alongside. Mm. Um, and then also noticing which people maybe it doesn't feel safe to explore this stuff around, mm. Mm. and and having that sense of co-regulation, having a community that we can regulate our nervous systems together for the better, as opposed to yeah. triggering. Into those maladaptive cycles of fight, flight, freeze, because for whatever reason, uh, there's this fear arising.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Having people that you trust, people that you can share with, um, you know, whether it's a women's circle or just whether it's like just however you want to show up in that space, mm-hmm. you know, it's all very individual how you do that. Um, mm-hmm. But absolutely, you know, people who you can feel your absolute self with, and It is. It's really important.
0: And to be witnessed is so powerful. I'd love to shift this conversation on a slight tangent, Shay, because I know it's one of your uh, areas of great interest, deep interest, Mm. which is moving beyond the drama of rites of passage with, uh, I mean, we could talk about many different rites of passage, um, like our first sexual experience or childbirth, but I want to really focus in on menopause and midlife changes which I suppose includes men as well but I'd love to move beyond the drama and the bigness and the conditioning and the toxic narratives and I'd love you to share a little bit about how it can be gentle and beautiful and tender and raw and so okay and so normal Mm.
1: Yeah, it's such a big one, because, you know, like I went through an early menopause when I was mm-hmm. 43. And so my journey has been, you know, it shocked the life out of me when it mm-hmm. happened, Joey, mm-hmm. I wasn't ready, you know, like I was starting to feel I was I was feeling perimenopausal, but I was thinking this had gone for another maybe eight years. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I stopped bleeding. And I was like, Oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm in menopause. So when you when you speak of moving beyond the drama, you know my first reaction to that was um I don't want to be old before my time. I don't I don't want this to be happening to me. What does this mean? Mm-hmm. All of the societal conditioning was extremely present. And I think menopause, you know, it's starting to be spoken about so much more now, which is just fantastic. It's a really um it's a it's a topic of conversation and a, a right, a rite of passage for women that is really at the forefront of um you know, conversations in the media about women now, which is fantastic. Um, But that's probably happened in the past couple of years, I think. And when I was going through menopause, it was um, probably about four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, I... I didn't feel that like I felt like you know in I I, what I started to do was talk about my experiences with my community with my friends and actually start to really explore this because I had all those very visceral responses to not wanting to be menopausal resistance huge resistance and I just want to say that it's a really it's a natural thing so when you talk about moving beyond the drama I think there's a very natural thing that happens that it's like I I don't want to be this I'm not ready for this I mean some women who have had that opportunity to journey for 10 years I have friends in my life like that are ready they're ready to to stop bleeding but that's not the case for all women and um, and so it is natural to sort of feel that Resistance and, um, and, and and revolt, I, yeah.
0: And I want to say, you know, these these changes to our body are really physical, and they're mental, emotional, spiritual. It's a we're becoming, we're rebirthing into a new person. So there's a bigness to it, and it's highly significant. But mm. I, there's there's space to keep it gentle and grounded and earthy, and I think society loves a good drama, and often yeah. the menopausal woman gets painted you know, in, in not very appealing ways, whereas I love how you're recreating her, the midlife mm. woman, as yeah. a woman in her power. She knows her pleasure. She mm. knows what she wants. She knows what she doesn't want. And she's no longer busy cooking and cleaning for a bunch of little, uh, you know, dependents. So she yeah. has time and energy and ex- expressiveness. There's such power and it's it's painted as an exciting chapter that we're maturing into as yes. opposed to a descent and a sign we're dying.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Expiry date is up. <laughs> yeah. And you know, there is that look, there's so much beauty in the becoming of this stage of life. And I just want to touch on the fact that, you know, in, in the media, like in out there in the in the world, you know, when we think of crone, mm-hmm. um, we think mm-hmm. of like an old lady with gray hair, like, well, maybe 70 plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and that that's not even old, you know, but but that's sort of like the image that's depicted. You don't see women at midlife really depicted in their power. It's starting to happen a little bit. But, yeah, it's really not something that is um, that women grow up feeling connected to, you know, Mm -hmm. like you don't in your 30s. You don't necessarily look at women in their 50s and think, I can't wait to be there you know oh, oh, oh wow I'm really yeah it's 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 vulnerable and yeah it's I'm, aging yeah I'm
0: the odd one out there because I had a sexual trauma at the age of 13 mm. so I basically now I realize I never felt safe as a maiden as a sexy mm. woman I didn't like people looking at me it really impacted um my relationship to myself and sexuality it's just too much mm. too soon too confusing so I Loved the idea of being an older woman who had more invisibility and Mm. people would leave her alone. And I, you know, when I was a little girl and people said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I wanted to be an older woman with gray hair who was friendly and approachable and loving and Mm. really safe. And I wanted to be that woman that people gravitated towards because she had nice energy. Yeah.
1: And, you know, I think I'm on track to becoming her. Oh, oh, you're so on track (laughs) to becoming her. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, she is alive in you and that's, that's such a beautiful thing. And, you know, what you describe, um, I'm, I'm sure there's many women out there that can relate Mm. to what you just shared, Joey. Um, and thank you for sharing it because it's really, it's important, um, to share that, um, you know, that side of things, that version of oneself, um, because it is different to the majority of society who are just so conditioned to stay young, so conditioned to, you know, like look a certain way and and act a certain way and, and be received in a certain way. And, you know, and there's a lot of you know, just even in, in workplaces, in corporate workplaces, there's a lot of midlife shaming that I've seen over the years, you know, like it's really, it's out there. It happens. Mm -hmm. So there is, um, a huge letting go of all of that. And if there is, you know, if you've done the work in the lead up to it and you're willing to take off that, that cloak, you know, and to actually willingly step into this stage of life, um, with, with almost a sense of relief, you know mm-hmm. um that that's a beautiful place to be but um it's not the place most women find themselves and there is a journey um that you need to go through in order to yeah to to, to navigate that yeah
0: and i i, I want to say um key words that come up for me in this for me it's like the house of cards is falling down it's like oh that's mm-hmm. not working anymore mm-hmm it just feels so wrong to keep being that person and shifting into this place of, well, who am I? And what does feel in alignment is for me feels groundless. Mm. And that the part of me that wants control and wants certainty and wants to live in the delusion that things are actually certain, Mm. um, you know, she's kind of keeping me trapped back in what, what I know, what I'm in control of, you know, I can vacuum every Monday or Um, clean bed sheets but stepping into groundlessness and staying there and allowing myself to remain groundless and to not know and to be responsive takes us right back to that thing of pleasure it's like to be present to be truly present means I have no idea what is arising in this moment let me check Mm. it's dropping all preconceptions and I said to you yesterday on the phone, one one part of my transformation that feels really subtle but speaks volumes is the old Joey before birthing my second son. She really loved fresh bedsheets and she liked the smell of them. She liked the feel of them. It was a treat. Whereas the new Joey that's kind of gone into the dark descent and met a lot of my inner selves that was very, very vulnerable and dark and a lot of old trauma, a lot of childhood um sadness and hurt um attachment theory stuff the new joey's like kind of more okay in the darkness and the mess and so now fresh bed sheets feel sterile and i actually really like smelling my baby's vomit and sweat and poo stains and the dirty bed sheets feel really comforting and really okay and i feel like symbolically it's like i've relaxed into being human
1: Mm. instead
0: of this artificial sensationalized frat girl kind of media house wife woman whatever we're told we need to be on different days of the week just yeah. dropping all of that and coming back into showing up to what actually brings me pleasure right now it's like yeah just smelling my baby
1: mm, mm. It feels good. and yes and and I and I love it and it's such a sign it's such a sign that you know you are in your body as well when you get to that point I think Um, and it's the same with menopause you know like it's a similar it's a similar thing that happens you know where you're um, you know you stop sort of the expectation you know that I I need to be here and actually just open to well what is Um, and also you know that concept of just doing what the fuck you want and actually just being who you are you know and and yeah just taking off the cloak of pressure you know i think that's that's a huge part of really opening your heart to yourself and and to life
0: yeah and i'm Mm. pretty sure this will come up in the work you do shay but um with my rock city clients a really common theme is this kind of stark reality slap that oh my god most of my life is revolving around other people, whether it be children or partners or colleagues or friends or parents, employers, There's so much of the energy and decision-making is based on this external framework of expectation, agendas, shoulds, um, you know, it can show up as people pleasing. It can show up as, you know, trying to climb the ladder of hierarchy and status. It can show up in different ways, but essentially it's this thing of, oh, I'm not I'm not listening to my body and I'm not putting mm. myself first and I have no idea what pleases me. Mm. I, I haven't explored mm. pleasure for years. You know, that can be a really mm. common slap in the face. Yeah. Um, so, yeah.
1: So
0: did you want to speak to that?
1: Well, yeah, I just think, you know, in terms of um, mm. the pressure that we put on ourselves around, you know, exploring pleasure when we've had other stuff going on mm. Um it's a huge one and it's what stops so many women from doing it you know and Mm -hmm. and you know we've talked about the vulnerability in that um but I think when we really um wind back and actually look at what we've been um how we've been educated and what we've been presented with throughout our lives that actually it's a version of pleasure. It's a version of sexuality that, or it's a it's a level, it's an expectation that we feel like we need to meet. Mm -hmm. And it it feels like it feels so far beyond us. Like I'm feeling that in my body. I've been feeling that in my body in the last few years in a way um, with regards to um, my menopausal journey. You know, like my body has changed. Mm -hmm. I'm not engaging with myself sexually or with pleasure in in the way that I, I used to you know and and it's vulnerable it's so vulnerable because you know like i'm a single woman at the moment and you know it's um it's big you know it's a constant remembering to wind it back and remember that actually experiencing pleasure in the body um can be so subtle and nurturing yeah. and beautiful like it doesn't have to look like a particular kind of Thing that we're being conditioned to believe it to look like Um, and then through that gentle pleasure through that nurturing experience of self-pleasure or with with a partner you know our bodies can open so deeply in fact much deeper than Mm -hmm. if we sort of follow that old what I would describe as yang or male pattern of arousal where, you know, we're expected to sort of, you know, perform or act in a certain way yeah. um, and, and meet a particular sexual standard. And a
0: lot of that subconscious. So it's not like we're actively having a gender and we're performing like an actress or actor. Mm. Mm. Uh, it's a, it's, it's a subliminal thing where we're, well, mm. how, how do they expect me to be or what should mm. I be feeling or doing right now? So it's this, but I, I, I really liked what you said about what I would consider sort of the old version of me, my neural maps aren't like that anymore. And my Mm. physiology is changing. Perhaps my juiciness Mm. is changing. Perhaps the things that turn me on and turn me off are changing. And how Mm. am I to know that if I'm not actively exploring and having this willingness to call what I would call living the rock steady way of life, which is is pausing and being present and questioning mainstream again and again. Mm. And I Mm. I also like that we've brought up self-pleasuring because I really feel that it, it does start with self-study and it starts with us. And a lot of my Rock Rocksteady participants notice that as they go, they reclaim their bodies, they reclaim their narratives, they reclaim their desired sensations and they call them out and they find a way to activate those neural pathways and build those neural new normals. So they become a new person. They're not who they were. They're not going backwards and they're not reclaiming what was lost. They're actually Mm. drawing a line in the sand and blossoming into a new version of themselves through self-study. And from there, relationships change. Their marriage Mm. changes. Absolutely. Their children changes. Um, So it starts here, but then it blossoms into the outer and the shared experience. And Mm. as I have done a little bit of, of research now into some of the you know i suppose the hot conversations in sexuality right now a lot of it's around um self-pleasure really being the cornerstone of all exploration of sexuality so it starts here and it starts finding safety and it starts with small steps and it starts with giving ourselves permission to explore our, our eros
1: yes and, you know, there's so much in that as well. There's so much vulnerability right there, you mm. know, in actually meeting ourselves um, and meeting our eros. And even, you know, like some women might not even feel like their eros is even a- alive. Like it might just be the tiniest flicker that is mm. indiscernible, you know, so it really it, it can take many, a while. I
0: would say yes. many women.
1: Yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So it can take slowly. a lot, yes. So it can take a lot to um, r- really meet yourself there and also the stories around self-pleasure. Mm. Like, I mean, I don't know about you, Joey, but I was, I was raised to think up to a certain age, probably my, I don't know, early to mid-20s, that self-pleasure is something that you do if you can't get a man, you know? <laughs> it's outrageous. But this is, this is some of the narrative mm. that can lie really deep within us. So, you know, from that perspective, it's really about um, repatterning that story that, you know, we are worthy to give this to ourselves and to and, explore our own bodies. And
0: if we can hold it lightly and take a perspective of safety and play and exploration, mm. it can be really fun.
1: Mm. Um, oh, yeah.
0: You know, I'm a young mum, got two little ones. So getting time to myself is awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely.
0: And I, I've taken to disappearing to sit quietly with myself. And that, that can be really, really honestly very pleasurable. Mm. Not touching but just being in my own solitude or disappearing to the bathroom and getting some yummy fragrant oils and massaging my body. Mm. Um, and there's there's so many ways we can ritualize it and make it a practice whatever feels uh, doable and workable and, and gratifying. Yeah. Um, So maybe that could be an invitation for listeners is think about what little pleasure rituals feel workable and safe for you this week and play with that.
1: Yeah. And and know that it will
0: change, you know, I might get sick of my oil massages at some point and it turns into something else. And this is that rock steady self-study inquiry of what works on Monday might not feel right on Tuesday
1: yeah and and to open to that and be and be okay with that you know to to move with whatever is present for you um in the moment Mm -hmm. and and to you know and to give yourself permission to explore that as well Mm -hmm. um yeah so many different things like you know it could be to cupping the breasts and massaging the Mm -hmm. breasts that's a really beautiful one as well Um, i mean that's um also extreme i mean the whole experience of connecting with your own body is vulnerable (laughs) you know there's you know there's there's no there's no escaping that I think that that is especially when you're beginning this this journey and I think that that's a really important message as well that Mm -hmm. actually the feeling of vulnerability the feeling of um, and the the challenges that we move through in order to begin a practice like this is normal it's completely normal and most of us go through it Um, So I feel feeling not alone in that is, is really important.
0: I've um, I got the giggles there because as I dropped into my deepest vulnerability to date, this is after birthing my second son, I had the therapist going. So like I I had part of me was holding me and really deeply fascinated by this feelings of falling apart and spitting in a washing machine upside down. And there was a part of me that just hated being vulnerable. It was like, I don't ever want to go there. I hate it. It's it. You know, there was such strong resistance and I had to really hold and nurture that part of me, which now that I've had a bucket load of practice um, is I feel now when I enter these places of vulnerability and openness and capacity to be in reciprocity with the world and to feel because my walls and my armor is not so protective Mm. um, and I can relax into it. Now I really enjoy it and it feels like, oh, good, I'm coming back. So it's like if mm. I lo- if I'm if I now have distance from that vulnerability, for me it's a sign I'm hardening and I'm probably mm. rushing and I'm probably somehow hooked on some agenda of how things should be. So then mm. I've got to kind of go unlearn a bit and come back and revisit where I really am mm. and get real and honest. And then the vulnerability sort of bubbles up again and I'm like, oh, this is starting to feel pleasant.
1: Mm. Um yeah, tenderness is, yeah, I think, you know, it's almost like tenderness is um is what what we're wanting to explore. Tenderness with self.
0: Beautiful. Um,
1: yeah, and and self-holding. And and that, and that can be very archetypal as well, you know. So your inner child will be mm. present, um, your maiden will be present the mother will be present, you know, like all the tenderness in all of those archetypes, different parts of of us. Yeah. Mm.
0: So for you listeners out there, if you're just feeling a bit confused and stuck about where to, how to access um, pleasure and where to start, it could very well be that there are, there are difficult suppressed traumas living in the body that are, are numbing that and making it a little inaccessible or bland. And getting support with people like Shay and finding sex positive therapists or support people to help you really safely explore your inner world. Um, there could be an avenue for you to explore. Um, And I know it is quite common with Rocksteady participants. I've had some say that it's taken them three months to understand how the body scan. But I just think, what an incredible commitment that they kept at it for three Mm.
1: months—three
0: months of just keeping on going. I know I'm not getting something here, but I'm just going to keep at it. I'm going to be willing, and um, that—that's what it is. It's this willingness to meet whatever's inside. And I know, as I mentioned with my my 13 year old experience. As I was patient with her and really let her trust me, this is my inner 13-year-old, when she real came back and spoke with me, my pleasure came back. Mm. She, she was in resistance in my body and, and needing integration. She'd been suppressed for 25 years. And, and meeting her and coming back to her and, and I had all these skills and tools to do that, um, it was like, oh, okay, that's unlocked more pleasure. Mm. <laughs> So yeah. just opening that out there for listeners who feel stuck, you know, maybe there's, there's some um, some gentle work to be done.
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, exploring these different parts of ourselves and intuitively, like if, if intuitively you feel your inner 13-year-old needs support, holding, exploration of what might have happened at that time or, you know, perhaps it was, you know, when you lost your virginity, or you know different stages well, of your life. Monarch, um, monarch trusting often... your the manarch. The manarch is a huge one, yeah. absolutely. Um, just really trusting in in what is present for you and what's coming up and following uh, those threads of intuition that are there. Um, and you know, a beautiful practice that you can do is um, visualize yourself at that age and um, see if you can meet the eyes of yourself mm-hmm. at that in in your inner world and even bring that little version of yourself into your arms into your heart Um, that's a really beautiful practice um, to yeah just to bring those parts of yourself home because this is what we're doing we're bringing parts of ourselves home to live in more wholeness
0: yeah and and keeping it trauma sensitive might mean if there is a, an active part of your inner world or your inner child let's say as an example that you feel you know is unprocessed and difficult ask them what they want because eye contact might freak them out so ask that inner 13 year old how can i support you you know do you want to stand a meter away from me like build the trust up with yourself as well because that re-traumatization is something we control and where we choose how we relate to our bodies if we're given those tools and the self-permission again to not feel as though we have to do it a certain way, doesn't have to look yeah. or feel a certain way. We can be, a, we can be creative in our imaginal space. Um, so talking directly to that fragile part of ourselves and letting them run the show. Uh, Beautiful, and, Joey. can be really a powerful way and that can be slower too. Yeah, like gentle. Shay, I would love to share your website, which I believe is sheaelyse.com. That's will have, right. I will yeah. link that everywhere this right. discussion is posted.
1: Thank you. If,
0: if you could speak to that part of yourself and offer that part of yourself that feels vulnerable in pleasure, if you could offer her perhaps a mantra or a piece of encouragement, what do you think you would say to that part of you that's feeling a bit vulnerable?
1: I am worthy, I am worthy is the mantra, you know, I think uh, our, our sense of self-worth, as I mentioned earlier, is really what underpins all of this work, all of this exploration. Mm. Um, so just remembering that we are inherently worthy, mm. you know, and and the, the vulnerability is in really accepting that, you know, um, that despite how we might have shown up in life, despite what's going on for us, that actually we are inherently worthy. Um, And gentleness as well is the second thing. Um, Mm. Just just a a real intention to meet yourself from a space of uh, of gentle, loving, nurturing care.
0: Mm. And my favourite mantras to my little Joey lately have been, Joey, I'm here for you. Mm. And Joey, take your time. And Beautiful. they just really hit the spot. So I invite you listeners to find your inner coming home language. Find what resonates and what feels supportive. Shay, thank you so much for your time. These conversations, just, you know, they, they could become entire <laughs> volumes. Yeah. Um, I'm really it, excited for the Rock community to start finding their language around pleasure and mm. finding their people, finding their pleasure tribe and sex positive people to talk to all consensual sex that feels pleasurable is good sex is basically the summary of being sex positive and I really like that
1: yeah beautiful thank you so much for having me Joey it's been an absolute pleasure
0: Mm, thank you so much I'm Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au if you're curious to learn more Come visit and say hi at my website or join my Facebook group where we all share how we're using neuroplasticity to remap and rewire our new normal. So that's a bye for now.